Hey, everybody, and welcome to the American Citizens Podcast. My name is Gray. I'm here with Josh. Josh, welcome back from our our uh, our pseudo winter break, I suppose. Yeah, our filthy American winter break that we took, even though yeah. the Premier League doesn't have a winter break. <laughs> the Premier League does not have a winter break, but we took one. We, 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 both, we both got sick is what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent about half a week not really being able to talk, which is kind of a hindrance if you're doing a podcast. And um, My back was just bad. I'm in the process of, of having surgical things done to it, so for those of you who suffer from bad backs, you can relate. Yeah. But uh, enough about the mal- uh, maladies. Like, yeah, as you can hear, I'm good enough to talk again, and as you have probably seen by now, City actually decided to turn up at their yeah. in the most recent game. Uh, we will talk sort of in general in de- about the games that we've missed, and there were a few, but um, we're going to start with what we just witnessed. Um, by the time you hear this, it will probably have been yesterday, but City beating West Ham 5-0 in the third round of the FA Cup um, away in a very convincing-looking performance. Um so, I'm going to start this with a question for both of us that was sent to us from one of our listeners, Christo Hatting. I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that right. Frequent interactor with the uh, Twitter account, one of our good friends. And he asked us, I assume it's a he, they asked us, easy question, were West Ham poor or City excellent or was it both? Yes. Good answer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's be real about this. West Ham were extraordinarily poor. I mean, that much is evident. They couldn't string together two passes to save their life. Faguli's miss uh, would have made Navas go, damn, man. Uh, You know, it should have been one all then. We should have been looking at a much different game. Um, but that miss just sort of summed up West Ham's night. They, they, they couldn't, they, they were firing like stormtroopers and we, City yeah. on, on the other hand, were were playing the beautiful game. We've talked about, um, at times we've talked about how at times City have, we felt like set up to play right in the opposition's hands. And I think the opposite actually happened today. West Ham set up to play right into our hands. Because you've got Andy Carroll lumbering around at the top with absolutely no connection with the rest of his team, not really going to fill in any gaps, which just leaves acres and acres of space for City to advance the, fo- advance the ball forward to and play in the final third where they were sharp. So, yeah, I thought West Ham kind of set up very well for us. But we have seen so many performances where... You know, they haven't created chances, and when they do create chances, they haven't done anything with them. So, I I think City were better than they had been, because even before their first goal, um, they were getting some good balls into the box and getting a few opportunities set up. And the final score should have been 6-0 ETW, Aguero was extraordinarily selfish and definitely should have laid that ball off to Sterling Mm -hmm. for a tap-in. Not only is it part of the Guardiola philosophy, but it's it's common sense in most cases, and that was just Aguero being selfish. 
And, uh, mm-hmm. but when, you know, when you, as, as I say with my roommate, when we play co-op FIFA, when you're up five, nothing, those are the times you can afford to be, you know? Yeah. Like if, you, cool. if they're ever going to do something like that, that was the yeah. time to do it. Um, Seriously. no harm, but, no foul. But I want to get your thoughts. Was it a penalty? Ah, uh, man, by the le- textbook letter of the law, it was. But it was one of those things that you almost never see called. When it is, it almost always sucks. And it almost always goes against you. So, in City's case, they were fortunate that it went for them. I feel West Ham was a little hard done. I thought they arrived. I thought it was a 50-50 ball, but that he didn't make con- – the defender did not make contact with the ball – he did trip. Um, it, 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 to me, it was, it was a pennant. It was a penalty, but it was softer than the softest tissues that you use to wipe a baby's bottom. Like it, it was, <laughs> they don't come any softer than that. And, and I, if I were West Ham, I would feel a little hard done by it. I think it's one of those th- things where it's a foul on the pitch you don't normally see it given. I also thought Zabaleta, Zabaleta went down a little bit easily. Um, so, I mean, happy to get it, but I was surprised it was given. Um, but this is, it's another one of those, you know, for all the time, it's, it's funny to me that we're, we've talked about all the problems that the site has, and it is five wins out of six. Um, and we will get into that. But today I think we saw... Some performances that 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 we need to see a little bit more consistently. Silva was at his best, which is something that we haven't, you know. He's been kind of inconsistent at times this year. Today, he was fantastic. Um, Raheem Sterling. There's still those moments where he he sort of lacks. I guess he he tries to do a little bit too much. There was one moment where he he seemed he sort of tried to dink and dunk and switch feet around a defender and ended up not getting a shot off because Winston Reed, who had a, the only West Ham player I think who can come out of today feeling like he did not completely disgrace himself, um, made a really good tackle to deny him the goal scoring opportunity. Um, but there 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 are moments where. You know, he still, I think, tries... And that little move of his is becoming a pattern, I've noticed, yeah. too. Sort of, he's sort of fallen in love with that little, I'm going to kick it ahead and see if I can just... I'm waiting I'm waiting for Premier League defenders to start noticing what we've noticed, so... Yeah, but I mean, well, this I, I sound critical. He does still try to be a bit too, do too much at times, but at the same time, I thought he played well today. Um... Let's talk about Yaya, because we got another question from, from, from Christo um, asking us, do we think Yaya is pretty much irreplaceable now? Once he bosses a game, it frees up Silva and De Bruyne. Um, I, if, you had told yeah. me, if you'd told me in August that Yaya Torre would be one of the most important players for this team in Jan, December and January, then I would have scoffed at you. But that's where we are. Especially after Pep Guardiola benched him and said, this dude ain't ever playing. Like, at that moment, you figure it's over. And now Yaya is behind De Bruyne, 
the single most important player City have. <clears throat> I mentioned it today during the game. And and when we, yeah, I want to talk about what, what we were talking about before we started recording here, which was, you know, we each kind of had a point on why we thought that that um that exile impacted him positively. Um, yeah, I just and you wanted... basically said that it's fitness related. Well, I just wanted to say real quick the one thing that City have now that City had been lacking sorely is somebody that you feel confident when they step up to take a penalty. When Yaya steps up to take a penalty, I feel really confident that it's going to go in. A, because even if he misses, the strength with which he hits a football is disturbing. So catching up to it from that distance is a lot like trying to catch, you know, a a Johnny Cueto fastball at 105 miles an hour or something. But that one he took today. I, you know, the the old line is that that she count double if you slot it into the side of the netting, which he mm-hmm. did. Yeah, he's just so confident at it. But you know, the the point that you were making to get back to is 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 that it it, it I think in many ways not having played the first half of the season has really helped him. Uh, both in terms of fitness and in freshness, but also I think, it, it, and I'll leave it at this because you're going to pick up, it's it's fortified his mentality. I think we both probably remember um, when they did the whole Guardiola presentation thing and they asked, you know, they put him on the stage in front of everyone and asked him some questions. Um they they talked about how he dealt with players and his response was hug them and kick them in the arse basically. Um, Yaya needed the kick because we've talked uh, before on this podcast about how we felt that some of the players who are highly compensated, very skilled, some of the players, the most skilled players, the most prominent players at this club who are also rather highly compensated and have been here a while have gotten a bit too comfortable because I think that there is some sort of a feeling for some players that their position in the starting 11 is pretty well fortified, insulated, and untouchable. And I think Torre was one of them. And I think taking that away from him for a while um, has kind of helped give him that kick in the butt that he probably might have needed now obviously you can't use that as a solution for everyone you can't just decide that four months of you know name your player yeah we're gonna put aguero on the bench for four months and see how this goes over and then when he comes back he'll be you know um that's not a solution but i think it helped tori in this particular case because Mm -hmm. you know I'm not, I'm not going to say that he, you know, because we've seen the quotes lately. He's been just so full of praise for the the fans and the, his teammates. And he just seems to be so grateful to be playing football again. Well, and, and I think that in turn, they say, you know, you age into conservatism. And, and, and I don't necessarily mean that politically, but... You know, I'm sure after he made his apology and realized, like, hey, I can be a crucial cog in 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 
Uh, I can make myself indispensable because I know exactly what Pep wants to do from having worked with him. I can help whip these boys into shape. And if I do a good enough job of it, I can possibly can convince City to pick me up for another year or two to, to, to do that. Maybe not necessarily in a, uh, uh, a role that, that he's been used to, but maybe a well-paying lesser role to where he feels monetarily compensated and yet also still sees enough important football games as long as he continues to deliver. You know, but like Pep says, once the ambling starts, once you start to see non-caring Yaya, and back <coughs> on the bench he goes. Right. And I think the role he's occupied in the last couple games is the one that they, I think, originally envisioned um, either a Gundogan or a Fernandinho doing. Just sort of that that steal, that boss in the midfield. Well, I'm not surprised that... I don't mean to cut you off. I'll no, let you fine. continue. Well, I'm not surprised that Gundogan is injured. I am a bit surprised by Fernandinho's ability to pick up three yeah, red guards within six games. Talk about that, yeah. Um, I didn't really have another point after that. I, I just wanted to make the point that I think that the role that Torre is occupying now is a role that I think Guardiola saw as vital, but saw as being occupied by someone else when he sat down in August or September and was thinking about how he was going to set up his team when he had everyone fit and available. Um, so I think that that it's... I think they need more midfielders for one thing, and we will talk about transfers, but um, I think that's sort of an indication that maybe, you know... Now that you can put someone in that role consistently, more consistently, I think it might be sort of an indication of this is more along the lines of what I wanted. It's not perfect, but there's there's sort of an ongoing thing in terms of getting used to this and finding the personnel because he still hasn't found the personnel, to be honest. Um, so no, he needs yeah. to. He needs a couple more transfer windows. Summer transfer windows and and you know he 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 knows this and and he needed this year to look and and it's kind of become it's been a surreal year for city fans because you've had to come to grips with who is dispensable and who is actually irreplaceable and you look at a guy like Aguero and you start to see how he kind of does yet does not fit in with what Pep is trying to do and the kind of money you could get in return for him to, you know, help rebuild and reload to a much younger squad, <laughs> it then becomes quite an appealing option to me to sell Aguero at some point. Now... You can't do that unless you have somebody in there that you're confident that can score the goals like Aguero can. So you would need to find somebody who can do that. But certainly at least the notion of what Pep is looking for and how Sergio fits into it presents uh, uh, well, the, the unique opportunity to discuss that possibility. 
Yeah. Um, I remain not super eager about pushing Aguero out the door, though I understand. Not trying to push him out the no, door. No, I know. I know. I know. Um, I, I, I understand the sentiment. By the way, I, I, I want to bring this up right now before I forget. Um, I don't know if you've read it yet, and I didn't mention this to you, so I'm catching you off guard, but I got the new um, Paranel book, the uh, Pep Guardiola, The Evolution, um, for Christmas, and what, what struck me while, while we're talking about styles and things like that is that in the book, it, sa- it says on his very first day of training, Guardiola shows up and he pretty he explicitly says, I don't know what this team is going to be like. I don't know which players I'm even going to keep or let go yet um, on the first day of training. So I think I think we overestimated, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I know he has a vision. So I'm not I'm not saying he just showed up for, for the on the first day of work and just decided, OK, now I'll start figuring it out. That's the furthest thing from the truth. But I think that given the personnel he had and given his philosophy and what the team had been doing in the past, I think he was, when he showed up, he was still trying to figure out how he was going to bridge that gap and how he could use the players that he had at his disposal to do that. Um, So it's slow going. But I found that really interesting because um, you contrast it when he walked into Bayern and he's like, we're going to sign Thiago or we're going to sign nobody. And I know, you know... I don't know exactly where everyone's going to fit right now, but, you know, it was a clear... There there's, there seems to be less... More of an adaptation. Certainty. Yeah, less certainty yeah. coming into this. Um, we should talk about Fernandinho. Um, <laughs> we should. We should. Um, while we're talking about the the winter... The, 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 the games of the winter. Um, look... The first red card was, uh, I believe, in that Champions League game at Gladbach. It was a second yellow. Um, and I believe, I recall, it was on the softer side. But so be it. The second one was for being really stupid at the end of the Chelsea game. The third one, you know, Guardiola pretty clearly didn't think it was, but I thought it was a red card. Um, is, is this just... I mean, I, it's one player... Um, but is there just sort of, do you think the discipline has eroded and do you think that's a product of frustration or is it something else or what on earth? Because City have picked up a ton of red cards this year, it feels like. Yeah, they are very undisciplined. Um, I think it comes from two things. When City's plan goes accordingly... They get cocky because they usually end up up big. When city plan, when city's plan fails, like Chelsea, they get pissy, and then they pick up cards. Like this team doesn't know how to just be. They're either really, really, you know. David Silva, there are times when I'm like, man, shut up. Shut up, David. And he just keeps running his mouth to the ref, and then sure enough, into the pocket, out comes the yellow. And you're just thinking, well, now you, you know, now you missed the next game, dingbat. Like, way to go. 
I hope whatever you said was more important than the Champions League or whatever the case may be. But <clears throat> I do agree with Guardiola and uh, I'm not even sure if it was Guardiola who said it, but whomever it was, if it was Guardiola that said it, I do think that there is some truth to City being on the smaller side and having to play a bit, little bit more physical in yeah, a Premier League. Yeah, um, I mean, there was a quote today. It's not quite that exact quote, um, but he, he openly said, we're not fast or strong enough uh, this is per Sam Lee. He said, we're not fast or strong enough to compete with our rivals. We need to have the ball more. He's not wrong. Um, and I th and you can see the problems that develop when they don't have the ball, which is, you know, when they start doing stupid things, because I guess maybe they have... I, I don't know if overcompensate is the right word to uh, to, to use with regards to uh, what 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 they'd have to do when they're trying to get the ball back, but they aren't the biggest or strongest side in the division. So that's accurate. And a lot of it comes in this free-flowing fashion where it's like a 50-50 ball and the city player takes the most circuitous or abstract or stupid path possible like I'm gonna slide in there with my studs up and it's like why why would you do that like I mean the ball was there to be won there was no need for that idiocy um yeah I I don't know I don't know what it's a result of I don't know if it's a play if it's players just realizing that they don't have the skills to play for a Guardiola team in, in the long term, so they overcompensate by maybe trying to do too much. Or if it's just a case that maybe, you know, Occam's Razor, Man City, are just a dirty team. <laughs> I mean, look, Otamendi is the Vladi Divac of floppers, okay? Like, anybody who says differently is a liar. So... There is an element of the dark arts that City play with, and there's a boatload of of South American players who are probably more notorious for the dark arts than some other regions, and and that's okay. It's a part of the sport, you know. At least you don't have the uh, the Gonzalo Yara oil check. So, but <clears throat> um. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be it's it's interesting to me. It's interesting. Let me ask you about um Guardiola in the last week, particularly after the Burnley game, because this has for, you know, well, I know what reasons because the British media so be it, but it has become something of a flashpoint because he gave something of a terse interview to uh, Sky and the BBC, which by the way, I've seen way worse. Um, would be the first thing I would note, but and then that coupled with he did he did the sit down interview for NBC over here in the states, um, in which he said, you know, I'm not going to be coaching when I'm 60. I feel like I'm right. approaching the end of my my career. Mm -hmm. um, I thought a lot more was made of that particular comment than needed to be, but 
you know, agreed. This is how we know how they. I, I understand. Yeah, you know what I'm surprised wasn't the takeaway. Hmm. Was that he clearly said in there three years, maybe more, yeah, you know, more. like very, yeah, very clearly saying that, hey, City's a project that is going to take me a minute and, and I made it my final project for a reason, you know, it's going to be my toughest one to date and it'll probably require right. a bit more than the three years that right. I take. And, so, and he said he said as much when you know because he was inevitably ambushed with well not ambushed but he was inevitably brought up in his press conference before this most recent West Ham games to clarify it, and he just sort of he just sort of chuckling he's like yeah I said sixty I'm forty five it's fifteen years away um, so I, that that made me laugh a little bit because that comment was so seized upon and I thought you know Guardiola is such an intense guy. There's no secret about it. Coaching drains him. It's why he left Barcelona um, in the first place. It's why today he still says that coaching Man City, despite dumbassery like what you're just talking about, the stress level is still much, 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 much less. Like, this is like basically winning the Vanderbilt job, you know, like <laughs> go six and yeah. six, make a bowl game or something. I, yeah, I guess there, yeah. And he said, I, I, there was also some, apparently some people complained about like that quote where he was like, uh, it's like Villarreal, I guess, or something like that. Um, which there was a really good piece written on that from, um, I, I want to properly credit this because I read it and it was a really good piece. So let me go have a look at it. Um, but it was roughly, um, the, the, the whole heavy shirt thing, because the, the, the description of it was roughly that, um, oh, here, here, here we go. This was, it was from Man City, Brazil, and they, they wrote a really good bit because he, 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 he basically made the remark of, we don't have the history with the shirt. And, um, he talked about how. In the culture that he comes from, that 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 Latin, that Spanish, Catalan culture that Guardiola comes from, um, they talked about the heaviness of the shirt, which is roughly the history, how respected, you know, the instant icon that the Real Madrid shirt or the Barcelona shirt or the Juventus shirt or the Manchester United shirt or even the Bayern Munich shirt that that, that inherently intrinsically carries with them. So mm -hmm. you don't have that yet. No. Nope. And no one can dispute that. No. Nope. That's all he was talking about. I thought that was really well written by them and really well outlined by them. So yeah. um I It was just a moment of honesty between yeah. Guardiola and the press that the press and that's, fouled up that's is the for thing. their we usual. We always want our our sporting figures to not do coach speak or athlete speak or whatever you want to call it. So when they give us that moment of candor, we just jump on them, and you wonder why they resort to the coach speak. Um, but but roughly, um, I I you know we've talked about before what Guardiola would do after the Premier League. I mean, is he going to go to France? Probably not. There's no one there that he could manage other than PSG, and that's just sort of a weird challenge. I don't think he really Juventus wants. is an odd option, but Juventus, I think it would, really it would have to, to require the rest of Serie A to see some sort of 
rising tide floats all boats situation because mm-hmm. right now it's just Juventus and everybody else. Mm-hmm. Juventus are like the Yukon women's basketball team. And then he's not going to coach another team in Spain. He's not going to coach no. another team in Germany. And I expect that he won't coach another team in England after this, which leaves you with very little else. So, you know what? It you know I, so much was made. He's gonna I come think over and take over the Chicago Fire. <laughs> Chicago Fire. He can coach NYCFC. Um, but roughly, I think that a lot of this has come from you know because he made that sort of snappy remark when when the reporter asked him was it a mistake to not start with Aguero and Silva. He's like it's really sarcastically, yes, mistake. I fixed it because I'm smart. Um, or what what whatever precisely he said. I think he's starting to find the English media to be really unpleasant to deal with, and he doesn't like it. Yeah. Um, And that that coupled with the fact that we're in January and his team pretty transparently aren't playing the way he wants them to, I don't – I think they might – I I know for a fact that they're not quite where he – they're not where he wants them to be. I think that frustration coupled with having to answer these stupid inane questions um, after every match – and people just sort of looking at him like this zoo animal curiosity and just sort of waiting for him to fail because he came with such a reputation. Um, I think that he finds dealing with that to be just frankly tedious and unpleasant. Yeah, but you know what, though? I think it'll be great that he he will fail this season, I think. And, and, and I think that that's going to be good for him because he can get it out of the way. It's like an undefeated team that's always having to worry about, like, are you going to lose? Are you going to lose? And and it's like everything is so much more. It's not if they pick up this first down, it could mean, you know, it's like, oh, no, the undefeated streak is on the line. And and for, for Guardiola, he's just never not crushed it. And the Monaco draw certainly is is – I'm not going to say it's – super favorable for City, but you know what? I'm sure they didn't hate it, and I'm sure Monaco didn't hate it going the other way either. You know, they realize that City are very beatable. City know that Monaco are very beatable. It's a good last 16 matchup. They're obviously a good measuring stick, don't you think? Yeah, they're still alive in the FA Cup. They probably need God's help uh, plus some if if they're going to catch Chelsea for the for the League Cup. But, um, you know, there are a lot of things still to be won, and, and it's still possible that they catch Chelsea. You know, it depends on how much City spend. It depends on what they bring in. It depends on what they shore up. You know, this is a team, if they feel like, hey, we can we can come out of here with one or two pieces and and tighten this team up and move forward, I, I you know, Gabriel Jesus represents some of that. So, I mean, it's not like City were hurting for attacking options in the first place. It's the defense that's leaky, but if they even... I don't know why they're looking at Holga Bodge. Well, let's talk about that, actually. Yeah. That's a good, it's a good transition into uh, the last thing we wanted to get to here, um, which is some of those, those rumors. Um, 
pretty clear they want a defender if they can get a defender. Um, Virgil van Dyke at Southampton was rather frequently cited, um, but that seems to have fallen by the wayside. Um, well, not completely, but mostly. So, the the new name is Holger Badstubert, Bayern Munich. Um, well, you, you don't know why, so feel free to expound on that. It's a, a lone move, that is, sounds like the rumor, a lone move until the end of the season. Um, I get... <laughs> I guess what what your reaction to that? It sounds rather negative. Well, my reaction is Hilke Gundogan. They got a midfielder on the cheap because he was oft injured and injured. Injuries when they happen were often serious. It was never like you know a niggle here, a scratch there, a knock here. It's like a torn ACL, a busted vagina. You know, it's always very serious stuff. And now you got Holger Bodstuber, who hasn't had a healthy season since the Backstreet Boys were still together, and. City are looking at bringing him in, and I'm just sitting there thinking, like, did did you not learn your lesson? I think I get it. And I will attempt... Convince me! Convince I me! I will Help. attempt to explain okay. why I think I get I'm it. I'm opening my mind. Okay. You don't have to agree with all this. I'm not even sure I agree with all of it, but this in my mind, I think... This is why they're doing it, or looking at that. And Guardiola, by the way, denied it today, but we know that doesn't really mean anything. Um, first of all, uh, Guardiola knows the player, um, so it's it's not a situation where they'll have to bring him in and teach him an entirely different system. He knows the ideas. He'll know what, what, what the objectives are. Secondly... Um, a left-footed defender that they can put next to John Stones. Um, thirdly, it's only a loan move, it sounds like, so you're not paying long-term for an injury risk. You're just, if you... I, I think what it boils down to is the defend the mar- defender market in January is not what they want it to be. If it doesn't work out, you're no worse off than the, you were. Exactly. Because you, the the you, market, you just... they're not going to pay $50 million for a player that half-fits. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they'll do, they'll plug the hole until summer. If he gets hurt, damn, but it's not like it's going to hurt them beyond June. Um, if you get something out of him, great. If you don't, you know, oh, well, we try, you know, it was, it was a shot in the dark, basically. Um. So I get it. It's it's risky. It might not work out, but it's also not really risky because if it doesn't work out, then you're not really suffering any long-term consequences. The worst thing that happens is that, you know, we keep going the way that we have been going. Well, you have a similar thing going on. I see you have no midfielders here, but they were right. linked to Zanzi. Zanzi at Sabia. I was going to get to that, yeah. Um Guardiola again said today he doesn't think we need midfielders. I don't know if he's bluffing. I don't, you know, I'm not comfortable with our current midfielder situation. Are you? No, not at all. No, 
Yeah. And I find it really hard to believe that he is. Especially given that you're not going to have Gundogan this season. Fernandinho seems to be, well... Uh, for, for Fernando right is now. very limited. Fernando you, is limited. Um, you don't even trust Alex Garcia very Delph much. Is too, Delph has too many fitness issues to have, you know, he's been hurt all year. So... Like we said, Toure is your second best player. That speaks volumes. Midfield has been, you know, there's been a depth issue in midfield for a while, too. And it gets kind of glossed over because of the fullbacks. Um, But they have been reliant on, first it was Yaya Torre and Gareth Barry. And then it was Yaya Torre and Fernandinho. And they've tried to bring in cover. You know, Fernando was supposed to be cover. Fabian Delph was supposed to be cover. I'm not sure they were ever good enough to be the requisite cover, though. And they just continually deal with depth issues at that position. And part of the reason that they were forced to persist with Torre for so long was that the alternative options, you know, there was Javi Garcia for a year, and then it was Fernando. The alternatives just haven't been great no matter what they've tried. And, you know, they signed Gundogan and he got hurt. So the the, the depth issues in midfield are once again sort of being magnified because of injuries and red cards. And you're once again relying on a guy who a lot of people thought wasn't even going to be playing for the club again. He's 33 years old. Um, So you're looking at a situation where it's like, If Guardiola truly thinks we don't need midfielders, then we're in trouble. The guy who who has said he would play with 11 midfielders if he could. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't actually believe that. (laughs) I mean, what do you come down on the Zanzi thing? How do you feel about it? Uh, I would be okay with it. He's, He's certainly grown as a player since he left Stoke. That's not really in in any dispute. Um, I admit that I don't get to watch a lot of La Liga, but, you know, I think it might, I can see the, the, the notion of a guy who has played in the league before. So even if he wasn't exactly lighting up the league when he was in it last time, um, he 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 was a player that that knows the league that's capable of understanding the league, um, and 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 you know he wasn't bad in the Premier League. He was Stokes Player of the Year, um, but I would I I don't I think he'd be better depth than some of the guys that we tried to sign in the past. But I'm and the and the thing is he he has. He's, he was very calm in possession. He's a good passer, which seems like it would be exactly what they need um, in that area of the pitch. So I think it's worth a shout. Um, and obviously Guardiola and Nazri are never going to be on the level again. Yeah, that's so not, I don't think that, Well, I, I wouldn't... I, <laughs> I, I would also note that we've managed to... That Steven Nzanzi, as far as I know, has never had his Twitter hacked by a jilted lover. Oh, that was so great, though. (laughs) 
I feel like in 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 two weeks. You know what was even better is that it took the British. They like they didn't know what was going on because apparently I guess that stuff doesn't happen commonly enough overseas. Like in America, we can recognize that instantly. Like I was watching all the other British media like react. Like oh, looks like Sammy Nasri's been hacked by some stupid person i'm like no dude that's totally his wife she's outing him he's also facing are... he's also facing a wada investigation that could result in a four-year ban so i feel like we we saw every reason that guardiola jettisoned nasri in like the span yeah. of a week there so, yeah. so no nasri will not be coming back um what do you think about are, do you agree with me that that's worth a shot yeah, I mean, if if Sevilla are truly looking at saying, hey, we'll take Nazri, you know, for this guy, why they would do that knowing, like, this WADA investigation so on and so forth, like, why they would willingly do that is beyond me, but... If they are, and and City can get Nzonzi out of it, um, yeah, I'm kind of with you, man. Like, even even just another average midfielder helping out City, you know, uh, Guardiola can help him improve and develop his game. We just need him to do what he's already good at, which is be an efficient passer and be confident on the ball, keep the ball moving, be a link, you know? <clears throat> That's what City are missing. And the other thing is, they wouldn't even have to negotiate this one because he's got a 30 million euro release clause. So they could just go in there and pay it and then they wouldn't have to, you know, deal with Seville. Um, there have been varying reports of how interested they are Um it sounds, last I heard, um, Balagu said the other day that no one, that City didn't want him in January. Um, they, they, they just haven't been a ton of, it, the signals from the insiders, it was, it was kind of on for a little bit and then it sounded like it was off and I'm not really sure, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know why they're not. I, maybe it's, yeah. I don't know. I really don't. Well, maybe they know something we don't. You know, either way, uh, what we what we do know, what we do agree upon, is that City need to bolster the midfield and and maybe need another defender, um, <clears throat> like you said, a left-footed defender. Um, so, uh, you, you, you could sway me on the Bodge Stuber thing. Um, Gabriel Jesus obviously is your striking option. So there's no real need to go out and get more talent up front. I don't think, I think the key is just bringing in another midfielder, somebody that's a bit more reliable and, uh, tightening up that defense, man. That's 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 my big concern. Yep, and I don't. We're not sitting here doubting that that Bad Stuber can be good enough. It's just oh, more good. whether he'll be on the pitch. So yeah, that's that's a he punt that I think is worthwhile. Good enough, man. Yeah. I, 
He was injured, and Bayern still opted to re-sign him because they had that much faith in him. Like, you've got to be pretty decent if Bayern are going to show you that kind of love. Yeah, he was very, very high-quality defender. Or something, uh, I shouldn't say was. It's not really a matter of whether his skill set has devolved. Um, but, yeah, that that to me is worth a shot. We'll see. That one sounds like there might be some smoke to it, um, no matter how much cold water they, they've, they've, they've thrown on it. Um, the German media in particular today, Kicker, saying that he, you know, one step away from blah, blah, blah. So that's, that one I would take. Worst case scenario, then you you get stuck with Otamendi and Stones at the back again. But if, if that's happening, then, you know, whatever. I'm pretty... That's going to change in the summer one way or another. So, I'm all right with that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess I guess we'll monitor the, the transfer window, but it, it sounds like Defender is a priority for them. Um... Which, That's at least a comforting thought. Yeah, like they seem to know what they need so much. They don't need to go. I, there's all these people out there that are shouting, "Go buy this, go buy that." Like, no, you don't need to keep throwing money after the problem. Like, obviously, if you're buying a, a, another player or two, that is throwing a little bit more money after it. But this is more out of necessity because what you have is either injured, not working, or can't play. And uh, I, 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 you know, there's a, a couple positions, I think, that, that City, I mean, if I were being like, hey, if I truly got everything I wanted, I'd throw in a left back and call it a transfer window, you know? But I would ultimately be satisfied with a midfielder and a defender. Or even somebody that can function as a center defensive midfielder and a center back. Yep, pretty much. My my hope is that they get a defender because I think that might solve a few things. Um, At least a lot of those Germans can do both. Yeah. Like Javi Martinez, for mm-hmm. example. You know, like if you can get one of those, you kind of get the best of both worlds scenario. He's also been sticking Zabaleta in the midfield lately, which is interesting. Real- well, it's better than him getting torched down the sideline. That's true. Over he's certainly up. still he isn't lacking in energy, no matter what he's lacking in physical skills. But um, yeah, so be it. Anyway, um, so you don't play again for a week, so yeah. Everton away. Looking forward to hopefully Gabriel Jesus getting his paperwork squared away and perhaps appearing in that one. Yeah, that would be the most. Nice. Um, any final thoughts on this? Um, no, man, it was a true joy to watch today's game. It was a nice relief after some the occasional bad performance and the mediocre win performance. This was actually, you know, okay, that was good. I'm under no illusions that this is going to become consistent, but it was nice. Yeah, it's like you said, I borrowed your phrase about the false dawns, you know. There's just been so many that, like, I want to say, hey, this is going to be the launching point for City to 
kick on in 2017, but we just know that this is probably another ebb in the flow is coming. So, um, but, but you know what though? I, I do at the end of the day, I guess my final thought would be this. Do you think, cause I, I'm starting to see predictions pile in that do not have city making the champions league. Do you think Guardiola somehow navigates these waters into Europa League? I think they'll make top four. Um, personally, I, I think they'll make top four. Because I, I remain less than convinced by uh, Arsenal and Man United, even though United have been playing well. It's that sort of, well, I'm using air quotes right now, you can't see it, but... Um, it's it's sort of the well they're winning games and you know that sort of playing well, um, right. which frankly, City are too if the, if we're using that definition because they've won five of six now in all competitions. Um, it, it's just the top teams that they've they've had problem the Liverpools of the world that they had a problem and that's with. the problem is, it is, the, is problem. That the best manager in the world still hasn't fixed that and and that to me is concerning and I don't know that with the current squad that they have that you can really change that it would seem yeah. that those clubs the, the thing that makes me feel a certain way is that le- looking at the teams that you know that they'll be competing against for that last spot. I think it's pretty clear that Chelsea and Liverpool are, you know, up there. Um, yeah, City are City City and Liverpool are pretty close right now. But you know, they still have to play Man United at home, and they still have to play Tottenham at home. Um, Tottenham have caught fire. Tottenham have caught fire, and that well, that's that's coming up after the next game actually. So we'll talk about that, but. There's there's any consolation? It's the fact that those are home games for them, and hopefully. Well, and City did get that win over Arsenal. They did get the win over Arsenal at home. They still have to go there, but yeah. So you know, but but you know what? I and, always, and they still have to play Liverpool at home too. Is, is the other thing. Yeah, all I asked was something to build on. City lost a very close game 1-0 away at Anfield, like where they haven't beaten them in 30-some mm-hmm. years. Dude. Plenty of teams have played way worse there than Yeah, than City I could take the 1-0 loss, especially if Liverpool come here and get smattered 4-1 or something, you know? Right. Like, as long as your City are able to hold serve on the returns uh, tie, then... I'm fine with it. So right. I, I just, and the the only I, other the only one they haven't is Chelsea. They already lost that home game, and then they have to go away. But they've already beaten United, and then have them at home again. They. I think that some things are getting pointed out about Chelsea now. I think that uh, people are starting to figure out. Okay, this is how you can beat Chelsea. Teams have noticed that. Hazard's creativity is also his biggest weakness because he will he much like a lot of left wingers or left midfielders who decide they're going to move forward they don't come back you know so yeah. that leads 
gaping holes in Chelsea's defense, and so people are exploiting that. Yeah. Tottenham and, made them look rather ordinary the other and, night. Yeah, and, and if you're Conte, I don't give a damn if you're Conte or not. You're not going to get that out of Eden Hazard. He's just not that type of player. And you can bench him if you want, but if you bench him, you're going to lose that creativity and you're going to become a different animal. You know, I just don't care the whole team without Hazard. So, I don't know, man. It'll be interesting to see. I still think City have it all to play for. It's a rough climb. It's a rough climb. But uh, the only only thing that I will close on is this. You know, you look at the table and you see fourth. And you think, well, that kind of sucks. Which it does. You'd rather be higher than fourth. But you also look at how closely together everyone is clumped. City have are on on at in fourth on forty two points. That's the same as Tottenham have. That's one more than Arsenal have. That's three more than Man United have, and that's only two less than Liverpool have. So everybody's in in the running right now, and everything lies in their hands. And I think they'll find a way to get top four, but we'll see. Well, and you know what, man. I'm not saying Jesus is is the savior, but you know what? This kid's the real deal, and he's shown it on multiple different levels that he's not afraid of of getting in there with the big boys and still putting goals in the net. And if this kid comes into the Premier League like he entered into the international competition, it'll be rough. It'll take a little bit, but if he can get in there and he can create, that can turn this can turn City into a completely different animal. So Yep. Anyway. Time. Anyway, time. yeah, time. <laughs> um you can follow us on Twitter at America Citizens and you can subscribe to us on iTunes as well. And you have the Hyrule Huddle podcast, if you'd like to uh I do. We just recorded our uh, uh, our latest episode a couple days ago. We covered uh, the Nintendo Switch. We talked about, we reviewed Assassin's Creed and Rogue One and uh, talked about the College Bowl games, particularly the Rose Bowl, which might just be the most actually right now is the most entertaining bowl that has been played this season, but we still have a national championship game to go. So, uh, uh, if you like all things, nerd pop culture and sports mixed into one, give us a follow at the high rule huddle. Other than that, man, keep it locked right here to America citizens. Gray and I, are still doing big things in 2016, man. They're coming, and uh, we can't 2017. wait. 2017. 2017, whatever. I've been there. May God kill 2016 forever. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, that at least a month. <laughs> that's completely reasonable. I was really impressed when the first thing I had to sign this year, I managed to date it with the right year. Anyway. That's um, impressive. That is very impressive. Was it a pizza check? No, actually, it wasn't. Um, it was a form that I had to fill out, but so be it. Um, thanks for listening. Go Lions. Don't lose by less than three touchdowns, and I'll be happy. All I ask. Fight on. Fight on. I think they're going to lose by 20, but we'll see. That counts as less than two touchdowns. That's two touchdowns and two field goals. I'm counting it. So... 
we'll talk to you again um, pretty soon. Thanks for listening. Uh, have a great weekend and week, everybody. This has been American Citizens. Thanks. Um, enjoy your weekend. Happy New Year.